Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to the D&D Show. I'm Daniel. And I'm David. And today, let's start, go ahead and talk about this interesting Thursday night football game that happened last night where Tampa Bay played the Bears. Um, it was a very penalty-ridden game for both teams. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I saw the Bears go 3-34, and 3-29, and 29, and uh, somehow Nick Foles got the job done when he needed to, leading that uh, game-winning drive down the field for the 40-yard uh, field goal at the end of the game there. What do you think about it? Um, yeah, I think the the Bears, like their whole mantra the whole year's been uh, Ben don't break. Um, I know that they're like, I mean, they're they're going to give up points. They're not the same defense that they were um, when they made their last run, um, where they were uh, their run was abruptly stopped by the man who's now their quarterback, Nick Foles. Um, but I I think that this this one is more of a testament to the. Uh, Buccaneers offense and how it's still not clicking on all cylinders. Um, I know a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, the running game really never got going. Um, and, you, you know, obviously Brady with that, on that last play kind of with a rare kind of mistake. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think this is just a testament to the, the toughness that the Bears defense can just put on a team, honestly. Um, I can see where you're going with that. I also want to give props to the Buccaneers defense. This is the third straight game where uh, a running back has had under 50 yards rushing against them. They are really bottlenecking that and making offenses go one-sided. And, you know, when you can go into a game knowing that they're not going to be able to run the ball efficiently, you can kind of tailor your defense then to uh, – go against the pass, and they did just that against Tom Brady, forcing him to make incomplete passes, getting to him all night in the pocket, um, putting hands up, knocking him in when he's throwing. I mean, this defense was all over him, and it was just, you know, I do think that Nick Foles' turnover early in the game, uh, the Allen Robinson jump ball, I think he probably should have just batted it down instead of trying to jump up and catch it at the same time. Um, that led to the pick six. I think that was a costly, uh, you know, misfortune by the Bears, but they overcame it. Uh, Allen Robinson, another, you know, good receiving night. Ronald Jones had 106 rushing yards for Tampa. I mean, just overall a solid game. I mean, both of these defenses came to play, and, you know, we're still seeing Tom Brady kind of try to find a stride here in Tampa. I don't know how long it's going to take, though. Yeah, and I like like you were saying with the with the few with the one mistake really in this game. Um, well, I guess there's there's two um, with the uh, Tampa fumble and then the uh, the inter- interception that led to ultimately uh, for the the Bears interception that ultimately led to the touchdown by uh, uh, by Mike Evans, um, but. I do believe that a lot of it, a lot of this game, like you said, came down to defenses. Um, I think if if both of these teams can get the offenses clicking, they'll definitely be able to compete, you know, come the end of the season. So I don't really think it's really – it's not time to necessarily be on high alert yet. I think there's still, there's still plenty of season left. Um, like Brady said last week, this would literally be week one. So this would be a week one matchup in a normal – normal year like it's the fifth week of football 
they didn't have any preseason. If it, if we get to week seven, week eight, and Tampa's still playing like this, then you can the red flags can start popping up. Um, but I agree. Uh, this their uh, whole division is just kind of, you know, it's gonna be this one is going to be a fight all the way down the season, and you know, I think Tampa's gonna pull out the the win in this division at the end of it. Yeah, because we still don't know what this Saints team is going to do, and we'll talk more about them on Sunday. But I know that we just don't know what Saints team shows is going to show up week in, week out. Not at this point. It's just honestly, you never know what team's going to show up for anybody at this point. We've seen great performances out of bad teams and terrible performances out of good teams. We just this season is so up in the air. But we also have a. Game five tonight, don't we? Uh, yes, we have. Um, we do have what one game five tonight, or uh, two game fives actually, um, for that matter. Um, well, which one do you want to start with? Let's start basketball. I think All we right. should. I think we should go ahead and get this Lakers Heat under. <sighs> All right. Well, I'm gonna you know stick to my original prediction. I said it from day one. I said that the Heat were gonna win one game. And I said that that's all they were going to win, and it was going to be Lakers in five. So I have no reason to believe that uh, he will, uh, the Heat will win tonight. And uh, I think if Anthony Davis has a good enough game, he I think he gets Finals MVP. I know everybody wants it to be scripted for where LeBron wins it, but I think if AD can outscore and possibly out-rebound LeBron tonight, I think he might get the Finals MVP. That That's my... Uh, Controversial. I think, I think Anthony Davis deserves the Finals MVP award. Um, just even through the first three games, his numbers looks on paper look spectacular. He's averaging more points. His defense is playing well. He's he's even assisting. I mean, we have seen a full tool Anthony Davis on display during these Finals games. And as long as he executes tonight, I don't see why he wouldn't get the MVP Finals. I honestly think the finals MVP is becoming a popularity thing because there's some people that don't, it's the name, you know, when you think the Lakers, you think LeBron, you automatically assume he's going to get finals MVP type thing, but he's not the best player on the team right now. Anthony Davis is. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, that's that statement right there is going to, you know, the, all the LeBron haters are going to use that as fuel, you know, saying that, you know, he he never had any help. You know, they like to they like to say that about Michael Jordan and like, um, like in this in this finals, Anthony Davis or hit the buzzer beater in the uh, last series. It wasn't him. Like it's just it's always he's always has help, and so like this is this isn't gonna help. The fact that he's playing the Heat this year and not like the Clippers or, uh. Uh, he didn't have to play the Clippers. He didn't have to play like all of these, you know, stacked teams, in, and especially in the finals. I think that kind of hurt this year a little bit um, in terms of the the goat discussion. Obviously, I think it. I think it would have been nice to see, um, you know, LA playing Toronto again. You know, having to go through those trials. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
This Jazz is a very play. this is a very young Heat team, and this this Heat team, like you, I, I'll say it right here on record, this Heat team is going to be competing for two three years for sure. Um, I mean, with basically t- two rookies uh, that were in consideration for uh, rookie of the year, and Tyler Hero and uh, Kendrick Nunn, and then you got, I mean, Bam, Bam, Jimmy. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be a good team for the next two to three years. I agree. Um, Miami does have two players out tonight. Uh, Gabe Vincent and Goran Dragic. So, obviously not a full 100% healthy. Uh, Jimmy Butler has kind of looked, I mean, besides a triple-double, he's looked a little sluggish. Do you think that ankle injury is bothering him at all? Or do you think he's just playing through it? I mean, obviously, anytime a player has an injury, it's going to affect his game, whether he comes out, out openly and says that it is or not. But, I, I mean, a lot of it has to do with just the, the defensive scheme that uh, – that uh, after you know that after that game three, um, they they kind of made some adjustments um, defensively because I know that like t- going into like game two, they gave like a hundred, I think one hundred fourteen points, and uh, it was just it was wasn't the defense that we normally see out of the Lakers. You know they had to outscore them, so I think that kind of after that game three defeat, I think they kind of focused more on the defensive end, um, and I know that I'm sure that. Uh, Eric Spolstra would attest to that. Yeah, and just to just throwing another stat out there, Anthony Davis is shooting sixty-one percent from the floor and fifty-four percent from three-pointers, while he has converted all seventeen of his free throws that he has shot this series. I mean, shooting sixty-one percent from the floor in a series is very appalling for him getting this MVP's award. And I think I might be upset if Anthony Davis doesn't get the finals MVP if yeah. LA wins tonight. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, uh, a lot, like obviously it's not completely on on that, but a lot of it has to do with the uh, with the amount of minutes that uh, he's been playing. And uh, it's just, I mean, I know that he's, I mean, he's literally a plan like for, he's averaging like 40 a game. Um, and I know that uh, with that, with him playing as much and being able to play besides LeBron, I mean, LeBron may not get you in the scoring category, but he leads the, he's literally the top five in the league in assist. Um, I mean, he's, I mean, he kind of just does it all. And that's why, I mean, if you go for, you know, the MVP of, of the finals, I mean, if you take away those 10 assists, if you take away all of his rebounds, I'm not sure how the Lakers would do. Obviously, I know they'd still be competing with Anthony Davis, but I mean, if you go in terms of valuable, it just depends on how they how they judge it this year. Because like in the past, um, when Kevin Durant won, uh, it should have been Steph Curry, but uh, Kevin Durant won. Um, I mean, Steph Curry's the best player on the Golden State, always has been, always will be. Changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get that from me. I agree with you. Um, so we're going from the hardwood to the turf. Let's talk some baseball, shall we? All right, all right. All right. Um, where, where are we so starting? We're gonna start NL. Um, so yeah. pretty, pretty straightforward series is for the DS. Atlanta sweeps Miami. Did you think? Did you think it was gonna be this bad? Uh, well, <laughs> like I said, uh, 
on the last show, uh, I kind of ate my, you know, ate my words whenever I kind of said that they were too young to make a, make a splash and that they, they didn't have the pitching to uh, win in the playoffs right now. But uh, obviously the, the second round proved me that I wasn't entirely wrong. Um, obviously they did run into a really good Braves team and the Braves pitching, which unlike the years of the past where the bats have really carried them into the, uh, carried them into the playoffs. I think the the pitching's finally kind of caught up and almost kind of it's kind of like flipped the identity of the uh, Braves. Yes, it and it also doesn't help when you don't score runs. I mean, last two games, Marlins had three hits in game two and five hits in game three. No runs, no runs to boot for that. So that's another testament to. The Braves pitching. I mean, Ian Anderson is just looking lights out. And I don't – it's going to – honestly, I think they might have the chance to go all the way to the World Series. I'm not saying they'll win it because we're going to see who still put, comes out of the AL. I think they have a little edge. But this Braves team is no joke now. Yeah, and I think it all depends on, um, like – like, like we just keep reiterating and stuff. Um, I'm quickly going to the other NLDS matchup, but I believe that it depends on how, what Dodgers rotation shows up. And by that, I mean, it, it's just which one of them shows up because we've seen in the past where the rotation is the weak link of this. You know, the Dodgers score runs, but they, they ultimately cannot produce um, on the mound. And I think that this is going to be another year where it's time for them to it's, this is their year. Like if they don't win here, it's one of those, like, I, I don't know how I'd like to say it, but it's kind of like the end of the road for the, for this, you know, dynasty. I think, I think people are going to, pe- people are going to start looking and be like, all right, wait, we have all these stars and we can't, we can't win. It's going to be kind of panic mode. If you ask me, I agree. It's, it's- I'll say the it's the last it's their last hurrah. If they don't if they don't secure this the title this year, then I think you're gonna see these stars leave to go to teams that can get it done. And it's just you know, right now the it doesn't look. I think the Dodgers are going to run into a hot Braves team that are on a roll. Haven't lost a haven't lost a game yet in a series, and it's they're it's going to put more emphasis on their pitching, and I think that could crumble. I mean, Kershaw has been good, but the rest of their starters have not been great. Yeah, and I mean, it it's one of those things that's like. anybody can get hot at any moment like there's 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 people who you know can come in and pitch a game that you know you never would have thought would be the the hero of uh you know a a series so it's gonna be interesting to watch um I, i still i'm 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 still kind of sticking with what i said um i i still think the dodgers are gonna win um i think this is this is going to be the year that they ultimately they they're not going to win it, but they're going to make it back. And I think that, like I said, if they do if they do win it, I I mean, good for them. But something just tells me that the Dodgers of old is just I mean, it's it's a curse at this point. Uh, 
I don't honestly, I don't think anyone coming out of the NL is going to win the World Series this year. I think all these AL teams are too good. Um, speaking of that, the Astros decided to go ahead and beat the Athletics very, hey, very when handedly. You're, when you're hot, you're hot. I mean, who like is what a time to just come alive uh, <laughs> with the bats and you know the, the pitching catching up to everything. I mean, is pretty much a dominant series as ever. So. I mean, they're proving me wrong. I mean, they're playing. You know, I can't take that away from them. They are playing good baseball right now, and this is a time when you have to play good baseball. Otherwise, you're out, and it's just – it's the perfect time to just show your streaky players coming up hot and hoping that it lasts all the way to the end. Yeah, and I don't uh... – I just don't so say say the say the Astros are the team to come out of the AL just in a hypothetical situation. If you look at the bigger picture, this team in any other season ever would not have made the playoffs. So a team that realistically would never not have even been in the playoffs. Like say say they do win it all, is that kind of does that kind of I mean, I mean, I understand, you know, it's just like, it's like NCAA, you know, somebody sneaks in, somebody like a a team on the bubble didn't win their division, just sneaks in, but like, and they end up winning the national championship. Do you view that similarly to that? Or do you see it as kind of like, oh, it's kind of tainted. Like they weren't even supposed to be here. Like, I mean, you still got to give them credit for winning it, but as a fan of the game, are they legitimate champions at that point? Yes. Um, I think they are, even with the expanded playoffs this year and everything going on, you make it, you make it. You know, everybody had the same chance to make it. Everybody had the same odds. You know, they knew going in that this is how many teams were going to make it. You know, it's a little, it is a little unordinary for how baseball did it this year with the expanded wild cards instead of going the normal one wild card game and into the DS. However, they earned their right this year to be in the playoffs, whether or not their record would have held up last year, next year, they were, they made the playoffs on their record and their merit this year. And they have proved why they deserve to make it this far. I can't take that away from them as much as I don't like the Astros. In my book, they've earned where they're at, whether or not the record says so. Okay. I, I I definitely can see see that side of it. Um, but speaking of the Astros, um, the Astros are obviously awaiting the winner of tonight's game. Um, a big game five. You got Cole versus Glass now. I mean, couldn't script it any better for game five. Um, what 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 do you think? What do you think is going to ultimately be the outcome of this game? This game's going to be. It, I'm interested to see how the pitching goes. Both are on uh, two day, two three days uh, rest. Uh, both starting pitchers' ERA look terrible. Glasnow um, has a seven point two ERA, as Garrett Cole has a four point five. You know they both got roughed up a little bit in their starts. Then again, they're both playing very high powered offenses. One will get you with the long ball; the other is going to play small ball. I. 
the Rays are going to win. You know, you're not changing my mind, even if they don't win. But I think Glasnow goes five, lets up two. I bet the Rays win 7-4. But the Yankees bullpen screws the pooch on this game. Well, I said it at the very start of the playoffs, and I'm sticking with what I said. I, I don't think that there's really a a big weakness on this Yankees team, and I think that playoff Garrett Cole gets it done tonight. I think that it'll be – I think it's going to be 5-3. I think that he's going to go probably six innings. Um, but I do think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a pitching pitching duel until one of them gets chased. Um, if there's going to be run scored, it's probably going to be on the bullpens. And it's whoever can, uh, you know, start start quickly, um, get ahead in the counts. Because, I, like I said, with them throwing, uh, like, both of them throwing 90-plus pitchers in their last start, um, I, think, I think you got to attack early and often. And this is... This is probably going to turn out not more of a pitcher's duel, but a bullpen duel. Because honestly, if even if they're not getting hit and their pitch count starts to get high, I wouldn't run that risk. I would honestly move to the bullpen if you trust your bullpen. I don't see this going Garrett Cole eight innings, Glasnow seven. I don't see them making it that long due to the implications of the next game starting in, you know, two days and then they have to get ready for the next series i mean uh luke voigt came out yay in his interview interview after the game he said what he said we're gonna win so i mean hey i i trust the man i trust luke voigt i'm going i'm going with former card former card right there you know learning from the david freeze incident in 2011 always call your shots but it's gonna be a fun game to watch unfortunately i will not be watching this game very sad to say that unless yeah. we yeah. make it to the bar down in Perryville. Yeah. Um, well, you know, with the, with the, uh, six, six o'clock, uh, first Start. pitch, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll be, uh, it might be overshadowed by, you know, what other things that are on tonight, but uh, I'll probably have it on, on my phone. I'll, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be like looking at the updates and everything, but it's, I don't get, I don't get good cell reception on the lake, so I'm kind of like, <laughs> unfortunate. It's a tough one. Yeah, no, they definitely need to build a build a better uh, cell tower or just get lake wide Wi-Fi. I um, agree. <laughs> but moving on, I do want to briefly touch on something, and I know that it's kind of more of a subject that I can talk about. Um, but there, we did have a, l- a little bit of NHL news um, this week that we that we've kind of been. Uh, um, beating around the bush to get get uh to talk about so big things that have happened this week uh a lot of the free agencies uh signings have happened um paul statsny uh got traded um i know that you know the former blue um you have uh hendrick ludenquist is for the first time like as long as i can remember he's gonna be on the he's gonna be on the capitals um you got a lot of people who were re-signed, and you also um, also had the draft the other night. And uh, I know that you probably don't follow the prospects as as deeply as I kind of do, um, but I think 
with the weird with the weirdness of the uh uh with the draft pick order this year with the uh the 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 10 teams in the playoff um having the number one odds yeah the the whole lottery system was weird to me and i was trying to read into that a little bit more i don't follow college hockey or the nhl draft as much as i'd like to with everything else going on but there were a couple names that i were that i was actually checking into just to look at and i still don't understand the whole premise of why nhl did their draft order the way they did um to me it doesn't seem justified and that i don't know if that's the correct word to use but from my opinion, it, it's not a justification with just the, the lottery picks. I, so, I so are you, are you, were you talking about in general or? Um, yeah, as a whole. Like the whole system this year was a little wonky for me. So uh, from what I understood is they kind of rewarded the um, – they rewarded the – teams that made the that made the playing but weren't good enough to make the actual playoffs series and it's just really really confusing um but they do different drawings and everything so essentially a team that was almost good enough to make the playoffs was like on the cusp of the playoffs just added one of the i mean one of the best the best player i mean literally the best player in the draft um it's it's pretty crazy beyond me, but I do want to mention one thing about the the Rangers is uh they are they already have two of the top left wingers in all of the NHL, and they just drafted the best one in the draft. So definitely look for them to be a force next year, um, especially if he can even play to half to three quarters of what he played um, for Team Canada because. Boy, he he he's some. I I was able to watch a little bit of highlights because I watched the you know the, the top few draft picks and watched their highlights. Just you know, because I'm always just curious about the next up and comers and everything. Um, and you know, I've had plenty of time to do it because you know the Blues haven't played in so long. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it should be a should be a good team. Um, the poor Buffalo Sabers though, with their uh, eighth overall pick. I mean, they did get Jack Quinn, which is a really good pickup for them, but. I mean, being with the one of the worst teams um, and having to pick eighth because of the how the lottery works, I just don't understand that. It needs to be self-explanatory, like NFL, in my opinion. I agree. If you uh, lose, I mean, it does prevent tanking. Um, I will say that it does prevent tanking because everybody, I think, like you get like different odds for how like low you finish. Like kind of like the uh, NBA, I think the NBA does similar things. Like they have like the top ten teams, and they all have like different odds, right? Yeah, and then you have the biggest loser of the draft, mm-hmm. Arizona Coyotes. How they managed to not get a pick until the hundred and eleventh pick blows my mind. Well, I think that has a lot to do with the the way their rosters set up. I think oh, they did that a... whole team. That whole team's a mess. Yeah, um, but Bill Armstrong. St. Louis Blues is on his way over there to hopefully fix that team. But a um, couple fun facts here. Checking up on NHL news. Corey Crawford's no longer a Blackhawk. Mm-hmm. Matt Murray is no longer a uh, Penguin. He is now a Senator. Um, 
Stancy, like you said, joined the the Jets. Saber signed Gergensen to three years. And Frederick Anderson gets seven years and a forty million dollar contract that he rightfully it, it, deserves. It was, oh, it was seven years. Okay, I thought I thought I saw somewhere as five. So because I was like five for that much money is a lot. So seven that makes a little bit more yeah, sense. Yeah, sevens. Um, okay. And yeah, I'm actually very surprised by the Lundqvist joining the Caps though. Uh, that's one too many goalies or good goalies that they now have on their team. Uh, uh, yeah. So It'll be interesting to see how they play that one. Yeah, well, that's the thing is having having too many goalies, uh, that can produce is not always a bad thing. Um, you just gotta be, you just gotta know who has the hot hand. Um, because I mean, yeah, obviously, go ahead. No, obviously, you just gotta know. Um. I mean, it's 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 always tough to do that. But with that being said, uh, I do believe that 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 means that Holtby is on the on the way out um, from the Capitals, so that will make a little bit of space for Lundqvist. I do think this situation is a little different than normal goalie situations. I mean, take St. Louis, when we when St. Louis had the Elliot Allen. Um, times or season we played the hot hand both goalies were playing great however one was used to coming off the bench as where Lundqvist and Holpe don't come off the bench they are both starters and they both deserve to be starters so how do you then decide which one gets the nod like that's the only thing I'm saying is different about this situation as compared to normal goalie situations Yes. That, so that it would just be the difference. It'll just be an adjustment for for them. So I mean, I think it'll be fine. Um, I think it's a really good pickup for the Capitals. Just to have that reassurance, you know, when when you know one starts to struggle, being able just to throw one in, just to piece together some stuff. So uh, I think it'll be interesting. I'm really curious to see where you know a few of the um, top free agents are still. I mean, there's there's still a lot of people out there. Um, Line A, I go. I mean, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, and trust me, we'll we'll talk about it more in the future. But uh, we're going to kind of transition out of the NHL and uh, flop back over to uh, the gridiron. But we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming weekend of college football. Um, got a few few uh, a few big games this weekend. Um, not quite as uh, action packed as last weekend, but. I guess I guess it it's only fitting that we start at the top um, with Clemson and uh, Miami. The real question is Miami for real. This will be their game to show it. I mean, I don't. I'd like to say yes, but I I don't think that they they just haven't. Their offense has been good against subpar teams i mean fsu hasn't been good since well 2010 something like that now you're, you're gonna call me crazy for this oh god are you gonna say there's an upset alert there, there is an uh, there is always an upset <laughs> alert when my whenever uh clemson plays because you never know what clemson team's gonna show up 
But I do think that Miami is definitely going to hold their own, and I think it's going to be a lot closer of a game than people are expecting. Um, I, I do think that Miami's offense is going to be the reason they lose this game. But um, I, I still think that they they definitely they definitely will hold their own in this game, uh, as I said before. But so I, I, this week? comes in no 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 <laughs> I, I I don't I'm not that confident in Miami. Uh, I think Clemson will win this game, but don't don't count them out too fast. I think that you know the turnover chain. Uh, Oh man, that I think chain. I think I think that the defense for Miami will keep them in the game, so I think it'll be a close game. So, how many points do you think Mizzou scores this week? I'm not even asking if they're going to win the game. How many uh, points do you think they score? Okay, uh, they'll probably get. I would say 17. It's funny because they got 19 against Bama, but yep. 12 against Tennessee. Yep, 17. Which, oh, <clears throat> speaking of that. So uh, I do believe that they'll probably put up 17. I was briefly talking about the Mizzou-LSU game. Um, LSU's going to pretty well manhandle that. Yeah, I was going to say roll. So uh, no sticking, sticking in the SEC, we got two more uh, top 25 matchups. We got Florida A&M. Um, like I said, A&M coming off of a rough performance against Arkansas. Uh, or not, not against Arkansas. Who did they play last week? Bama. Bama. Uh, rough performance against Bama. Excuse me, I missed uh, – Messed that up uh, with Mississippi State, but um, I don't know. It's it's going to take a perfect performance to beat this Florida team. I already said they're they're the best team I think in the uh, in in SEC uh, outside of Bama. So I think that they'll handle business. I think Florida wins this one. I'm gonna say 28-21. Let's say they're probably. I think A&M's defense learned a lot last week about themselves. And I think they're going to play to a higher caliber this week, knowing that they got trounced last week and they have a chip on their shoulder now. So I'm, I'm going to say Florida wins 28-21, but it's a good game. Okay. I, I understand that. Uh, but sticking in the, sticking in the SEC, I, I think that this is the most intriguing game because, you know, every, there's talks that Tennessee is back. Um, you know, because every year there's some team that's back, and I, this is going to be their real test to see if they're back or not against a pretty stingy Georgia defense. I just think with them being in Athens, I I really don't think that Tennessee comes out of here with a victory. I really don't. I don't. Y'all might say Tennessee's back, but look at who they've played. Two and zero, they beat a Mizzou team who probably won't get a win this year. Hmm. Um. And they didn't even look that impressive, in my opinion. They got away with some lucky breaks. And I don't think this Tennessee team is necessarily back, more or less, just playing to an easier schedule. And this game will will really show their cards. They play well, and they pulled the upset out here. I will take back everything I just said. And I will say that this Tennessee team is for real, but I don't see them making it out of Athens with a W. Yeah, it's this is this is a this is Georgia's game to lose. Um, I just don't I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it happening with that defense uh, that, that Kirby Smart's built. It's mm-hmm. 
it's it's a tough one. Well, we got one more top 25 matchup. Uh, we got North Carolina versus Virginia Tech. Um, have not been able to watch much uh, of the a- ACC, excluding um, excluding Clemson. Um, boy, it's not every day that you see North Carolina in the top 10. I'll tell you that right now. But because the Big Ten hasn't started yet, they ha- they've been gifted the number eight seed. Um, and it's now their ranking to lose with the big, with everybody coming back, but I think they lose this game. I think Virginia tech is going to pull this one off. I mean, this is my upset of the week alert. Are, are you taking this as your lock for the week? Yes, I am. Okay. All right. I'm going to do something Write that down. Uh, but, uh, the, this is a game that it'll be interesting. Um, Sam Howell definitely has not yet lived up to his hype from last season. Um, we we don't we don't know what uh, what Sam Howell's going to show up. Uh, he's he's a he's a good uh, he's a good quarterback. I and he, I mean, don't get me wrong, he has the potential to lead this team to where they want to go, but he just has to start showing it. Um, Got to clean it up. Uh, I mean, even in a thirty-one to six win, I mean, he in a in week one, he had two picks this this past game. I know he had a kind of a, uh, I mean, was like a three week gap in between games. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I understand, but he's just got to clean it up. Um, and that starts with the run game. I know that this North Carolina team uh, has always historically not really had that good of running backs. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch that against this uh, Virginia Tech defense. So. With that being said, I think North Carolina wins this game. Uh, this is definitely not going to be my lock of the week, but let's move over to the game that is going to be my lock of the week. I didn't want to take you, the same game as you. you you're going to – what? I didn't want to take the same game as you. No, absolutely. Okay. No, you're fine. So, uh, flopping back to the SEC, we have a very intriguing matchup here where we have a team coming off of an upset already last week going up against a team who got beat in all facets of the game. And you're going to call me crazy because uh, according to the ESPN Power Index, this team has a 10.9% chance to win this game. I am going with the Arkansas Razorbacks over the Auburn Tigers. And here's why. Philippe Franks, in my opinion, is a better quarterback than Bo Nix, and I think that they they trump each other in that category. I also think that um, I think that Traylon Smith is a better running back than um, well, what's the kid from my name? Uh, Bigsby, and I think that they're gonna the offense of Arkansas is gonna lead to a back to back upset, and I think that Sam Pittman is gonna go crazy on the sideline again, and he's gonna celebrate. A victory in uh, in Auburn, I think. If they're at Auburn, rather. That's... Call me crazy, but that's you know. You're it, up. It, it worked for say, me I'm last week. Really it worked like, for me last week, so uh, we'll we'll see if if the if the upset train continues. I don't like I, taking the the safe locks, so uh, I like to I like to be a little risky. But oh, I think okay. I, I give I give the edge to Pittman over Malzahn this week. We'll see. We'll see how this works out for you if you go two and zero this. Week. <laughs> yeah, I think this this will be a, this will be an interesting game to watch. 
I think it does. Let's see. If it was in Arkansas, I might favor Arkansas more, but because it's in Bama, I'm Bama country. I don't know. Yeah, I know. And there's, there's also one more game I wanted to touch on before we uh, transition. Um, so, obviously, big weekend, uh, as always. But for the first time since, nineteen, uh, I think, 1995 or six, um, there is no team in the Red River rivalry game that is in the top 20. With both of these teams struggling, um, who do you think writes the ship this week? I think Texas. And that's just because Texas has been in their game, like been in their games to the very end. It's just they've had one or two costly mistakes, and that has been the difference as compared to Oklahoma, who just doesn't look like our normal Oklahoma teams of the past. Oh, absolutely. And the the thing that I would really like to stress is is coming into this game. The obviously it's kind of the numbers are skewed due to that um, overtime win against Texas Tech, but they are coming in averaging forty nine points, which is leads the FBS. So the offense for Texas has never been an issue. They have always been able to score. The defense is uh, the Big 12 in general has been a liability, which is why the Big 12 hasn't won a national championship in I don't know who knows how many years. It's, it's got to be something Texas wise where your offense is good, but your defense is terrible. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> something they something in the water down there. It's got to be something in the water in Texas right now. Because I that guess seems to be a thing. Mike, Mc, Mike McCarthy and Tom Herman need to have a meeting and figure it out. But no, uh, so. I think I think that, that that Texas will win this game. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased in this game, so I was going to pick them even if they were not favored in this game. I think Texas does, but I well, think our, our, off- our offense right will, will win, especially if it's a shootout. I think our offense is better than their offense. Spencer Radler is a, was a very uh, highly touted uh, recruit coming in there, and I don't think he's had enough time to develop. Um, I know I know Sam Sam's been in. He's been in three Red River rivalry games already. Um, he's, I think he's, I think he'll, he'll pull it out. He'll probably have like two rushing touchdowns and like two passing, like he usually does. So I think, I think he'll, he'll, he'll pull through for him. Um, I, yeah, I just, Texas doesn't lose this in any facet, in my opinion. I mean, OU is the underdog by two and a half points, but it's not saying much. I do have your, I want to get your take on one more game. And then we can move on. Okay. Do you think Texas Tech pulls it off and beats Iowa State? See, this is the thing is, and this this is this is how crazy that uh, that the Big Twelve always always is is it depends on the day that of what team would win because I think that these teams these two teams specifically could play twenty times and I think that each of them would win ten times. And I think that they're really evenly matched, and they both have very similar styles of play. But I think after seeing Iowa State beat Oklahoma, I think that Oklahoma's offense is very similar to Texas Tech's offense. So I therefore I give the edge to Iowa State. I get that. Curious your take on that game, since it's basically the only one we haven't talked about yet. Well, the BYU game, but that's. I think they're going to take that one. And now 
I believe it's question time. Yes, it is question time. Um, this week's question. Oh, I got to pull it up here. I didn't have the page open. I did like Matt's question. Why did we, why did neither of us go pro? Well, <laughs> you see, okay. Matt, we're way <laughs> too good for the pros. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I had too many offers to go places, so I just just decided to turn it down. Um, so I'm actually going to address a question that I already answered for uh, on on Facebook on our on my Facebook, but I do I do want your opinion on this. Who who do you believe will be the next coach of the Texans? And I'll go ahead and answer first since I already had kind of had my my answer typed up. But so I, in my opinion, the lead candidate. It needs to be somebody who can work with Deshaun. So he kind of like not necessarily an offensive guru, but he understands, you know, the offense does their thing, but somebody who can build that defense. Cause if that, that, if that Houston team brings a defense week in and week out, they're going to be able to compete in that division. Cause their division is, doesn't have the strongest offenses in it right now with uh, the Colts and uh, the Titans. Um, so, my my head candidate right now is the defensive coordinator for the 49ers and Robert Sully. Uh I think that he with what he's done with I mean he, even with injuries and stuff they're still out there competing. I mean he's built he draft he helped draft that elite defense that literally carried the 49ers and carried Jimmy G to the uh, Super Bowl and I think that if he wants to get his foot in the door of head coaching I think that this job is 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 definitely going to be offered to him, no doubt. Okay, I can see where you're coming with that. However, I'm a, I'm gonna go two different candidates, um, or one one normal candidate, and then one just out ridiculous. If this happens, you know, we're gonna go buy lottery tickets. Uh, but the first one I think is Greg Roman. I think the current Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator. They have had talks with Houston. I think because the way he worked with Lamar Jackson, I think he could bring that same type of mentality and offense to Houston and help Deshaun get out of his funk. I mean, let's face it, the offense has not clicked. I mean, even since the end of last year coming into this year, this offense is just lacking. And we don't – you can't put it on the run game because the run game hasn't looked good. And you can't do play action because, you know, they're too inconsistent. And when Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins, that just, first of all, didn't sit well with me. And second, it just, it made this offense so much worse. And now you got to figure out how you're going to pull it back up from the depths. And I think if you use an offensive coordinator who knows how to put points on the board, who knows how to get an offense going and hot, Greg Roman would be your choice. Now, my crazy pick. Let's get old. Let's get good old Dabo Sweeney back in, back in the seat in Houston, shall we? Well, I'm gonna respond to both of those picks. As a Buffalo Bills fan, that was a fan through the late 2010s. Uh, Greg Roman was obviously not the answer for us. So obviously, um, I've never been a fan of him. Um, I didn't think what he tried to do with our team was really the right answer. Obviously the coaching staff until Mr. Bean got in there was kind of all jumbled up anyway, 
But also, uh, man, Dabo. I, I so he call me crazy, but if there's going to be an offensive offense or if there's going to be a coach from the uh, college football um, that that does make the jump, I think you got to look at Lincoln Riley. Um, just based on the, how everybody who tries to find a new head coach is looking for that offensive guru, because you can have a defensive coordinator who just runs your defense, but the head coach. Like, like, especially with the ones that have just been coming out, like you got to think about what Lafleur is doing in with the Packers. You have, you have the, uh, you have uh, Sean McVay with the Rams, what he did immediately coming into the league. And I really do think that if you're looking at somebody, the offensive style of like of a Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, what he did with Jalen Hurts, Baker, and. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, it's not his fault that his defense can't stop anything. Um, obviously, it does fall on the head coach, but it's more than just that. It's, it's all the Big 12. I don't understand why they can't have a defense. So, the NFC East, essentially. <laughs> yeah. But with that um, being said, uh, do you have anything else to add about uh, the Houston situation? Like, I, I just think they need a, a man who's uh, – I think I think I want to add on to that – uh, question uh, kind of steer it into a, like a bonus question. So I would like to state that I think that they need to have a GM and somebody in charge of player personnel that can oversee this next venture, because I think that they gave Bill O'Brien too much power and it really screwed them over in the long run because they had the best receiver or one of the best receivers in the NFL. And they just let him leave. Walk for nothing. Out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And or well, I guess they didn't really let him walk out the door. They, I mean, they got uh, who they who did they get for him? Dustin John, David Johnson. David Johnson. I, I mean, but he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good since he got no, hurt. no, and that's the thing. And then, like I said, they haven't really built anything. Like I like this is the, the crazy thing is like I follow the draft every year. Like I literally consider it a holiday. Just ask all, all of my friends. Like. I don't do anything that day. I watch literally every round and I investigate all the picks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But this, I could not tell you a Houston pick. Like I couldn't tell you the last Houston pick I remember. I'm honestly think that maybe Jadavion Clowney or not Jadavion Clowney. Was it Jadavion? Oh, yeah, Jadavion. Yeah, Jadavion Clowney is the last Houston pick I remember. I don't, I don't remember like anybody else that got drafted by Houston. Besides Deshaun, but I mean Deshaun, I don't remember what his pick was. Like, I couldn't tell you these guys like that co- that go in there. Like, I I don't know the last Houston pick. That just they haven't had that many picks turn out for them. And I think that started with the fact that Bill O'Brien just kind of ran that team into the ground. I 100% agree with you. Um, the f- latest pick. Let's see. So Texans drafted in the second round. They had pick number 40. They drafted a uh, defensive tackle. Okay, so they, yeah, I don't think they had a they didn't have a first round pick. Um, but I think they had one last year and I believe I want to say they took a offensive tackle. I think. Let me look. First round. Check. Yep. Titus from, Howard from Alabama State, first round, number 20. Yeah, I, I remember he was, yeah, from Alabama State, not to be confused with the University of Alabama, which right. is exactly, um, I mean, just looking down it, I mean, 
the last like three years, even in 2018, um, you know, obviously it's just, they haven't, they've tried to build teams on the fly and they haven't built it from the ground up. Like you've seen teams like, I mean, if you look um, at teams of the past that just literally built through the draft, um, basically, I mean, it starts at the top. You get, you, I mean, it, it does. This is a GM's problem, though. Yes, this and is... that's the, that's the issue. Whenever you give one man all the power in an organization, if he's not good at his job, it will fail. Like it's one thing to have like a somebody who's been a staple in the comp in you know the league, like a like a Bill Belichick. If you gave him all the power of a team, I bet that team's winning ten games every year at least. I mean, hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. And and so so to reiterate, I I obviously the firing of Bill O'Brien should have been at the start of the season. They should have had a new coach coming into this year, but because of coronavirus, I think that kind of affected the decision making. Um, so, but with that being said, I think that's gonna wrap it up for today. Um, we will have our our we're starting our uh, specials for uh, Sunday football, football this week. So um, we'll have that coming out to you Sunday morning. Um, we'll drop that about ten o'clock, and. Uh, until sure, next time. Hold on, I'm gonna check. Make sure we don't have any 10 a.m. games this week. Okay. Nope, we're good to go. All right, so 10 o'clock, we'll be dropping it. Also, uh, wanted to give a big shout out. Uh, we we are going live. Well, not live. We are dropping um all the podcasts onto Spotify. Um, Our new mixtape, guys. Start don't yes. Let, don't let them fool you. We're dropping mixtape. Starting now. starting today, you can look it up. It uh, will be under the David and Daniel show. Um, so, um, huge news there also for throughout the month of October, we are, we are doing a, a special, um, this is the first time I, I kind of ran it by some other people, but, uh, so we are going to offer, um, a sponsorship for each episode and the sponsorship is literally going to be $5 and basically all the money that we raised throughout this month, all of it will be donated to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So if you're interested in that, uh, we'll leave the email down in the description. Um, and uh, with that being said, I don't think I have anything else to you. I don't. Just just to reiterate, I mean, it's it's for charity, guys. I mean, for the kids. This was a big thing when we were in college. Um, we still give back to, you know, St. Jude. I was going to say I donated already for the walk this, that's upcoming. How about you, mm -hmm. sir? Oh yeah, I uh, I donated to uh, to the the team that we have or the fraternity that we were in, and uh, uh, I, I donated a fifty for to the team this year. Unfortunately, they couldn't do the walk this year with the virus going around, so I I ran a five k um back on base in you know honor of it. So they just do such great work. Um, mm -hmm. so it's the least we can do is just to give back and help people. That's all I can really say about it. But other yeah. than that, enjoy your Friday. I'm headed out to the lake. I'll see you all Sunday morning. All right. Sounds good. Peace. Peace.